When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show. What a night at the Garden. Game three in the books. A Knicks route of Cleveland. Final score, Knicks 99, the Cavs 79. The Knickerbockers have a 2-1 series lead. Holding a team, guys, this is 2023. Holding a team to under 80 points in a playoff game, no less? I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. And look, I wasn't in the building last night, but my gosh, that was a vintage atmosphere. It's one game is, is what it is. And so now the challenge is get ready for game four. KD, don't you regret not coming to the Knicks? Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks? This is the Dan Grosser Show. On 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Good first hour there on the Knickerbockers. 20 points better than the Cavaliers last night at MSG. They'll have a game number four tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Nets are in action a little bit later this afternoon. They're going to be taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. That's a 1 o'clock tip-off in Brooklyn. Backs against the wall. You know, Nets going to be able to steal one, perhaps. Yeah, actually, I, you know what? I actually have a good feeling about the Nets today. Like, I, I, I think they will find a way to get it done. Look, they played really hard in Game Three, almost pulled it off. Yeah, I mean, you want to lock it up? We can lock it up. Fine. Let, let, let's lock it up. We're locking it up, and we're going to say the Nets are going to earn themselves a bus trip back down the turnpike to Philadelphia for Game Five. But a lot of that is based on the fact that Joel Embiid isn't going to be playing today. He's already been ruled out with the sprained knee. And if you're Philadelphia, look, I, I, I don't know if he's gotten any imaging done. I haven't seen it, certainly. But I'm willing to wager a guess that if I'm Philadelphia, part of the decision to sit and bead for this game today is because I know that I'm up 3-0. And I know that it's only a matter of time. It's, it, it, it's not if, but when I'm going to be moving on to round number two and just pushing the nets aside. You know, and they're probably thinking to themselves, let's get Joel healthy. When was game number game number three? What was that, two nights ago? So that was, what, Thursday evening? Was it Thursday or Wednesday? I can't even remember. Uh, Thursday. Okay, so Thursday night. Embiid plays. Should have been ejected from the game for his, you know, calisthenics that he was practicing on the, uh, on the floor there. I think we all saw it. Kind of a double standard with the NBA. But plays on Thursday night. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, let's say Philadelphia wins today and sweeps them. When is round two going to start? This is the NBA. Probably next weekend. So you might be talking about a full week and a half off for Joel Embiid to rest whatever's bothering him there with the knee. And then if the Nets can win today and you force a game number five and then they're going to have to play in a couple of days, then Philadelphia has to assess things then. I still, I still think, I mean, guys, look, this is the NBA playoffs. If you're up 3-0 already, and you're a team that's supposedly as good as Philadelphia thinks they are, you should be able to win one of the next four games against a team you're clearly better than, even without Joel Embiid. So maybe they're really going to exercise caution and just say, you know what, let's not even put him out there for the rest of the series because we think we're good enough without him. And they probably are, right? 
Sixers can beat the Nets once out of the next four games without Embiid. I don't know if it'll come to that, but that could have played into their thinking a little bit to give them some rest. I think the Nets will win today. You know, let them get that one victory in front of their fans. You know, they can have that, and then we'll see what happens uh, as we go back to Philly for a game number five. So that's a 1 o'clock game today as you start off your uh, playoff basketball. I think you got four, yeah, you got four games today in the NBA. You got Sixers, Brooklyn at 1, Phoenix Clippers at 3.30. How about the other night, because you had the log jam with the networks. They put the Suns and the Clippers on NBA TV. Like, sometimes they kind of use that as that extra network if, you know, the, the other ones are occupied. I mean, putting a game on NBA TV is like putting a game on public access. You know, with what your local infomercials are in whatever town or community that you live in. It's like you put that on and say, you know, come down to the grand opening of the uh, new supermarket on West 82nd Street. Oh, by the way, Suns and Clippers, game three. You're like, what is it doing? on That, that game deserves better than that. Uh, Bucks and Heat coming up tonight at 730. We'll see if Giannis is going to make his return back to the floor. We shall see. And then you got Memphis Lakers late tonight at 10 o'clock on ESPN. We'll see about John Morant and whether or not he can go. It's, it's funny, though. Like, these teams, just like in those two instances, Bucks without Giannis beat the Heat. Memphis without John Morant beat the Lakers. And now you got that kind of war of words brewing, right, between Brooks and LeBron. Like it. Like it. Like it. Like it. You need some more drama in the playoffs. There's nothing wrong with that there. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Jose in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Jose, what's going on? Good morning, Mr. Graza. It's a fantastic morning, and I just wanted to talk about the Knicks and how great that atmosphere was last night. And I got to say, that, that, that scene on, uh, on, on the west side of New York was totally insane. I'm not sure if you saw the even I got to see this morning on Alan Hahn's Twitter the, the scene outside of, you know, the postgame desk, which was it's, awesome. It's insane. So, it really is yeah. insane. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to go out there. And I, I, and I am one of those pro-R.J. Barrett people. Um, I, I have calmed down my rhetoric on thinking that he can be a star because sometimes, you know, asking someone to be a star is a little too much, even if it's a third overall pick, because not all third overall picks are designed the same way. You know, Julius Randle was was drafted in the same spot as Steph Curry was at seven. So it's you know we all know that each player has a different trajectory. But my thing was my oh my thing always with RJ was was I always understood he was inconsistent and he was always there. But you see that there, there there's just a there, there's just different levels within the other Nick prospects and the Knicks. RJ RJ definitely from an athleticism standpoint has all the tools. It's just more of we just want. I just want him to, you know, improve on the, like his three-point shooting, and I think he would even be even be a lot better. But that I also know that that may be a little too hard to ask. And what and when Omar Omar was totally right, you know, and when 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 fans like us say give RJ more of a chance, it's more of giving him more of a chance to get fluid and loo- fluid and loose in that first quarter because when we saw Randall didn't have it and I think Randall so much because usually Randall will shoot us out of a game 
he, you know, we saw RJ pick us up in that first quarter and provide that much needed offense. And I think, and I think that's what really, you know, resonates with fans that this is an actual complete team. And that's why, you know, people are hesitant to, you know, possibly break that up because we know, Hey, quickly or Quentin Grimes could step up tomorrow and play in place of the other guys. So who knows that? And that's the great, great part of this Knicks team. Yeah, it is about playing within yourself and not doing too much. And I give Randall credit for that because so far I don't think that's kind of reared itself in the first three games. And, Jose, thanks for the phone call. Always good to hear from you. The thing about RJ is, all right, we're near number four. The only time in his NBA career that he shot, I think, at least 40% from three was that season a couple of years ago when they made the playoffs. And I don't, I don't want to throw cold water on it, but remember what that year was, right? For, like, the overwhelming majority of that season, you were playing games in empty arenas or, you know, 20% capacity or whatever the hell it was that they were selling tickets to, right? You know, like, you watch a game on TV and you saw, like, cars parked on the sidelines. And instead of where Spike Lee is supposed to be sitting, you see, like, uh, you know, Volvo sedan or something. Just because, like, they needed something to kind of spruce up the aesthetics of the arena. So it's a little bit easier, I would think, to go out there and play your game, shoot your shots, especially on the road when you're not in a raucous, sold-out crowd. And you just got, you know, a few thousand people there, which is kind of what that season was. So this year in particular, though, I think it was RJ's worst shooting the three at least statistically, sometimes you just got to accept, like, all right, this is who a guy is. Like, I don't think that I, – I know that he's 22 years old. I just don't know if we're going to talk about a guy who's going to be defined as one of the top, you know, sharpshooters in the NBA just as he gets older. I mean, he's already four years into this thing. Like, I, you would have thought that there would be a little bit more progress in that part. That's okay. It's okay. He doesn't have to be Steph Curry when it comes to shooting the three. He could still be an effective player. Yosef in Livingston, up next here on 98.7. Yosef, good morning. How are you? What's up, man? Um, I, you know, I was just thinking when you were mentioning that, uh, I, I know that they're not going to do this, but mm-hmm. just br- the fact that we can talk about Joel Embiid and the Sixers not um, necessarily playing him for a number of games just because they're, they're probably going to win, and um, what's going on with Kawhi sitting out, I think that the NBA has an existential crisis with their star players not playing games. It's like the most important thing is for them to show up and they're losing their marquee players for whatever reasons. And I think it's something that really should have been dealt with more in the CBA. I know that they put in the 65 game limit for the awards, but I don't think it's enough. And I think it's a major turnoff for a lot of fans, myself included, when I turn on games, even in the playoffs, and the star players are not there. Thank you. Yosef, you know what? You're preaching to the choir, and I thank you for the phone call, but you're 1,000% right. I mean, and, 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 and this is nothing new. We've talked about this forever. And I'm glad you brought up the Kawhi Leonard situation. You know, isn't it funny? You know, Kawhi Leonard, to me, has almost become like the poster child for load management. Because remember, he, he came from the San Antonio Spurs, and Popovich was the first guy once upon a time to start this stuff. And then the rest of the league caught on, and it spread like wildfire. It spread like a disease. Because to me, that's what it is. And how about Kawhi Leonard, who we've barely seen the last couple of years? Remember, didn't play at all last year, was hurt the year before that. This year, he played 50 games. No matter if he plays good, bad, 
out of this world, it doesn't matter. He could have a great game, and then the next night he's sitting because load management. Back-to-back, three games in four nights, whatever excuse you want to conjure up. But isn't it ironic, guys, that Kawhi plays 50 games during the regular season, and here he is in the playoffs in an attempt to preserve him for the most important games of the year, which are happening right now, can't play game three, and he's already not going to play game number four. Isn't that something? So what good was the load management? What are you really getting out of it? It's, it's disgusting, and that's one of the reasons that people are turned off to a certain extent by the NBA, and that's also one of the reasons why the league has to come up with something as ridiculous as a playing tournament in the middle of the regular season to generate some interest and to try to incentivize teams to play their guys, not tank, and all of the above that you want to throw into that mix. It's a problem. They let it get way out of hand many years ago, and they haven't taken the steps necessary to try to stop this thing. And it is an absolutely horrible look. I mean, how can you look at the situation right now with the Clippers and with Kawhi Leonard and and take that thing seriously? It's a joke. It's a freaking joke. Paul George is hurt. Kawhi Leonard is supposed to be healthy, but he's not. I, I, I mean, what now? Because everybody that's pro-load management and thinks that it makes a world of difference and it allows you to play your best basketball this time of year, well, then look at Kawhi. Still can't play. Let's say hi to Mitch in East Windsor. He's up next on 98.7 ESPN. Mitch, good morning. How are you? Good. How you doing, Dan? What's up, Mitch? Uh, nice to see R.J. Barrett. Have a good game. He's like a box of troubles. And hopefully Mitch and Einstein um, pick it up uh, tomorrow. Thanks for taking my call. Mitch, thanks very much. I heard about 13% of what you just said there, but whatever. I heard R.J. Barrett. And on that note, we're going to take a quick timeout. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Get it to some hockey when we return. Huge game tonight for the blue shirts. And how about the Islanders? Yeah, they wear blue, too. They're blue and orange. And they got themselves right back into the series last night at UBS. Dan Gross' show, we roll till noon right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Well, you heard some of Kenny Albert's voice there. Kenny's so shy, though. Like, Kenny just, you know, he he was talking, and then he decided, you know, maybe it's not my time to talk yet, and then he piped down. Kenny doesn't have to do that. We love Kenny. He's one of the best, our buddy Kenny. He'll be on the call for the game tonight at game number three, Rangers and the Devils. Oh, Kenny wants to talk again now? All right, Kenny, fine. You can talk. Fine. I'll be quiet. Oh, it's Don. You know, 
if they just want to do the show, let them do the show. Kenny wants to talk. Don wants to talk. You know what? I'll just hang up right now, and then you guys can do the show the rest of the way. I'll go Fox do my Saturday. Slot. Back for Panarin. Back to Fox straight away. Fox. Kane. Kane far circle. Top of the far circle. Fox with a blast and scores. Adam Fox on the power play, and it's 4 nothing. All right, Don. I mean, Don, you couldn't wait uh, until tonight to say that? You have to do it right now, right in the middle of this show? I mean, not only are you going to be part of the broadcast tonight, you're going to do a special bonus half hour leading into the pregame tonight from 7 to 7.30. You couldn't wait till later on tonight to say that? Tweet that! That's just, I mean, it's just plain rude. Does he have more to say, Harvey? Does he want to say a little bit more, too? Print that! Anything else from the game the other night, maybe? There was a lot of things he could say from that one. I enjoy a nice wing. I, everybody does. Rangers are in good shape right now. Game number three tonight at MSG. Pre-game at 730 right here on 98.7 ESPN. couple of 5-1 victories. To say the least, they have been the better team in the first two. But you're only halfway there. And, you know, we've had some fun over the last couple of days with the Ranger fans. Um, some of them, I think, are afraid to take the bait. And it's not what I'm trying to do. Like, people think I'm sitting here trying to kind of put the kibosh on what the Rangers have done so far in this series. That's not, that's not what I'm doing at all. I'm telling it exactly like things are. I mean, I don't care what side of this rivalry you're on. I don't care who you root for. I don't care where your allegiances lie. Hell, I don't even know if you have to understand hockey. But if you've watched these first two games, and if you even have an iota of what is happening out there on the ice, it is hard to come away from the first two games of this series and draw any other conclusion except the fact that the Rangers have unquestionably been the best team in this series, and it's not even close. Now, the beauty of the playoffs, of course, is that it's not just one game. It's not NCAA tournament style, right? You have to win four of them. But the Rangers have put themselves in a position to where now they have pushed the pressure squarely on the Devils to where they've got to find a way to win four out of the next five games. So let's flip it back over. For everybody that says and accuses me, whether it's on the air, whether it's in social media, and everybody like throwing these barbs in my direction, that me being from New Jersey is somebody who's just trying to put the jinx on the Rangers, I'll ask you this question objectively. And I'm going to ask this question first and foremost to my friend Harvey, who is a Devils fan. Can you see the Rangers realistically with the way that this series has played out in the first two games and the way really they've played over the last month with individual performances that we should note, starting with the goaltender, can you really see the Rangers losing four out of the next five games when three of them will have to be at Madison Square Garden? Yes or no? No. There. Was that so hard? Because it's not just the individual performances. It's the collective, the collective Correct. on the power play unit, the, car, the collective on the blue line. You get, you're getting Patrick Kane and getting involved now. No Mika to speak of yet. So they're firing on all the cylinders without having all cylinders firing, per se. Exactly. Think about that. Mika Zibanejad, who was as good as any New York Ranger last uh, this past year, right? 
He's one of the best players in the league. Zibanejad will probably get consideration when they do, like, the year-end awards. He'll probably be, like, all NHL third team or something like that. Right? He, he, he was that good. He's going to be in the conversation. He was lethal on the power play. Mika Zibanejad has done nothing in the first two games of the series. And the Rangers have dominated. Doesn't that got to make you feel good? Where the guy who was maybe your best player all season has not factored in at all the first two games, and you are going out there and winning this essentially one-way traffic. Can things turn around? Yeah, absolutely they can. Sure, why not? You know, we were talking before the show, and I, and I hearkened back. Yeah, there was some hearkening this morning. Harken back to 2006. Now, I know it's not exactly the same sample and the same situation, but, you know, it has happened, so I'll throw it out there. You know, 2006, remember that was the first year after the lockout? Carolina Hurricanes entered the playoffs, and if memory serves, they played the Montreal Canadiens in the first round. Carolina's starting goaltender in those first two games was a gentleman by the name of Martin Gerber. Remember him? Carolina lost the first two games. Fell behind 0-2 to the Canadiens. Peter Laviolette, the coach at the time, then insert some hotshot rookie named Cam Ward. And then the Canes go on and win the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, this series is probably far from over because you got to win four of these things. But I don't know if Lindy Ruff has an ace in the hole like that. Like, it's not as simple as, oh, let's take out Vitek Vanacek and put in Akira Schmid. Akira Schmid, who's never played a postseason game in his career, that is a hell of a situation to put him in. Hey, kid, first playoff experience, Madison Square Garden, Saturday night, game three, Baba O'Reilly playing with the lights off while the team comes out onto the ice. Good luck. Essentially, your season on the line. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to make a goaltending change, but, I mean, what other options does he have? Yesterday at practice, the Devils were kind of messing around with some line combinations and moving guys up, moving guys down. I mean, whatever. It's, it, it, at this point, it's like grasping for a bag of straws. You know, and if you look at the moves that have been made, give Chris Drury a hell of a lot of credit, the architect of this Rangers team. Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko with the trade deadline. Those are two guys that have won Stanley Cups. Kane's, Kane is going to the Hall of Fame. Tarasenko, you know, he's building up a nice little resume for himself. Big-time playoff-proven players. Think about what those two guys have done so far in this series, right? They're used to this stage. Devil's big acquisition of the deadline, Timo Meyer from the Sharks. I don't even know if he's left San Jose, to be quite honest with you. I don't even know what that – I mean, he, he took an awful penalty the other night. Other than that, he hadn't really done much. Nobody's done much for the Devils. Jesper Bratt, who had a really, really nice season, good young player. Jesper Bratt wants to get a contract, you know, the size of the earth, the moon, and the stars. Jesper Bratt's been MIA so far in this series. The best way to get what you feel you deserve is probably performing on the biggest stage. That's just my two cents. Aside from a penalty shot, you know, Jack Hughes, who's one of the top players in the NHL, this is where you need your guys to perform. And I understand that this is his first ride into the NHL playoffs, but these, this is when you guys got to step up. And when you look at the Rangers side of things, it, there's no shortage of contributors. Kreider, Fox, Kane, Tarasenko, Panarin, Shesterkin. And that's the scariest thing about this, is that the goaltender is playing lights out. Now, I don't know if he's necessarily been tested all that well in the first two games, but the fact that he hasn't given up any softies I think is a pretty good sign also. And he's been locked in for the last six weeks. Locked in.
you're looking at a guy who's now recaptured the form that he showed last year when he was the Besant Trophy winner. That is your best friend if you want to make a deep playoff run. A goaltender who you know is going to be able to bail you out more often than not in certain situations. And special teams has had a big role in this series. Devils have done nothing on the power play. Nothing. One for eight. Rangers are scoring power play goals left and right, led by Kreider. And why would that change? Why would you figure that would change any over the next couple of games? You have no reason to think that. Now, look, if you want to maybe look at this thing as, I'd like to see a little bit longer of a series. And look, I thought it was going to be a long series. I thought it would go at least six, seven games because I thought these teams were pretty evenly matched. And the Devils are a good hockey team. They had a really, really good regular season. I mean, you think about the Devils and you think about their history. This is a team that won Stanley Cups that have Hall of Fame players. All the great seasons they've had in their past, this one in particular, by the numbers, was the single best regular season in the history of the franchise. Like I said, which resulted in Stanley Cups previously. But they look like a shell of that team over the first two games. But they have been a good road team this year. They have the third most road wins in the National Hockey League. So they seem to play better away from the Prudential Center. And they're going to need that tonight if they have any, any shot. And I'll leave you with this one before we get some calls up here. This is the second time in the history of the Rangers that they have won their first two playoff games by four or more goals. The other time it happened? 1994. Just throwing that out there. Just for context. Harvey has no faith in the Devils. I, I don't know if the Devils have any faith in the Devils. We suck. You're a Ranger fan, you got to be feeling pretty good. And oh, by the way, you can't tell me that you're not maybe getting a little ahead of yourself and maybe peeking ahead a little bit, kind of like turning the page in the book to the next chapter. Keeping one eye on the TV last night at UBS Arena and seeing how that game unfolded and seeing how the first three games have gone in that series and thinking to yourself, hmm, that could be next up, huh? Interesting. 800-919-3776. Is this series over? Tell me. Give me reason to believe that it's not over already. Dan Gross' show, we roll till noon on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. That was a good win for the Islanders last night. And really, if you want to look at this thing big picture through three games in the amount of, the amount of data that we have been able to accrue so far in this series, Islanders should be up two games to one. You know, there's really no other way to slice it because if you just break it down five on five, the Islanders have been the better team. Skating five aside, the Isles have had the upper hand in this series, but unfortunately for them, hasn't always reflected on the scoreboard. That was a brutal game two loss in overtime that was one that got away. I mean, game one was a close game too. And last night, the way that they kind of broke that one open late in the game, I mean, it was you thought that there was they were showing a replay or something. With those four goals, it was like bing, boom, 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 like real quick. But sometimes that's what it takes. And if it happens, great. And that place was rocking last night. There was a lot of energy out at UBS, the first victory in that building. So that was nice to see, of course. And you know what? 
get this thing knotted up coming up tomorrow, take it back to Carolina and make it a best two out of three. I still like the Islanders' chances. They have a heck of a chance to win this series because I said, I don't think Carolina is unbeatable. Really and truly. And I think that if it was Carolina playing the Rangers, I think the Rangers would maybe not as decisively because Carolina has guys that have been through the playoff wars a little bit more than the Devils have. But I think the Rangers would have the upper hand against Carolina at this point. But the Canes are a very, very beatable team. And that's why, you know, what we've seen so far, you kind of think that the Rangers, there's no reason to believe that they shouldn't at least Gets the conference finals, where in all probability, you're going to have the Boston Bruins waiting for you. All right, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Artie in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Art, how we doing? This is uh, Danny from Long Island. Who's this? (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? They never never even screened my call. Oh, they didn't? No, that's why I was shocked when you said Artie. Uh, Dan, I anyway, apologize. Anyway, let's, let's not. Let's not. Let's not. Uh, first of all, Dan Grosser, you're the like the you're the you're the Jeff McNeil of ESPN Radio. You're all over the place. Any position, plug him in. Professional does the job. Uh, well, I, I, every time I turn the radio on, the last forty eight hours, it's Dan Grosser. And I want a and, and and I want a batting title too. How about that? Just like Jeff. Uh, McNeil. Unbelievable. So let me set let me set the stage. Last night, the uh, the missus is sound asleep because she works very hard on Fridays. I'm on the couch. I'm flying solo. I got the batteries, brand new batteries in the remote because, boy, what a setup. I got, I got the Blue Jays. I got the Knicks. I got the Yonder. And I got the Bruins laying a goal and a half. Oh, what a night. What a night you dream about when you're a boy. This is what you want. This, these are the type of games. This is the type of things as a fan that you can only dream for that it all lines up in this way. Right, Dan? You know, to get, all, to get almost, one of these. Almost, I was almost glad that the Yankees were on prime, and I didn't want to, didn't have to bother bouncing around to that. But listen, you know, you're right about the Islands. I live on, I grew up on the island. It's a big deal. It's a very powerful fan base. We love our home team. It's kind of like a our little thing, as opposed to like the Yankees and the Jets and the Giants, who you know represent uh, you know 40 million people in 100 square miles. It's, and it's a big win for the franchise and for the fans. And the thing is, they're too good to get swept. I also believe the Devils are too good to get swept. Because these teams in the, in the NHL playoffs this year, they're all solid teams. The Islanders finished like 12 over 500. The problem is, is that the Rangers can, can win series and games based on talent. They have snipers that we don't have. We need puck luck. And last night, about a four-minute period, boy, did it all come into play. Like deflected uh, shots. So they won the game. Nice little victory. As far as the, uh, the Mets go, then you got this rookie kid. What a story. Two years from Tommy John. I'm sitting there basting at all my, my success, and the kid takes the mound. And just I, I, what a, what a, on a personal level for him, they showed you in the, in the dugout after six, seven innings. Um, and kudos to Buck for letting the kid throw, you know, because how many times you go out there and you're on a pitch count? No, the kid was pitching great. He had the game in hand. His pitch count was low, and then Buck let him run. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't going out after four innings. You know, so that was a, it was a great night of, uh, of New York sports, and uh, we do it again today. Let's go. And we're running it back again. Uh, Dan, good phone call. Appreciate you chiming in there. And, and again, you know, we'll, we'll do the baseball coming up here in just a little bit, but what more can you say about Joey Lacasey? Really, w- what more can you say? That was as, ad- no pun intended, that was as out of left field as you could possibly imagine. 
Like, if you would have asked me yesterday morning, like, I think we were even talking about it briefly doing the show with Dave in the morning. Like, you know, what was the expectation that you could get from Lucchese last night? I mean, best case scenario, you're like, I'll take four innings. You know, if he gives you four. Because remember, Mets this entire West Coast trip, the 10 games, like, they, they haven't had a day off out there. So they've been up against it. Remember, you got Scherzer suspended. Your starting rotation is leaking oil to begin with. And for him to go out there and to give you seven innings like he did to preserve that bullpen, I, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Richard in Manhattan is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Richard, how we doing? How good, Dan. If somebody told you before the season, Lucchese would be the best pitch, pitch the best game in the Met, for the Mets in April over Verlander and Scherzer, you would have said they're crazy. One in a million, right? I said that at the beginning of the show. You know, think about it. Tw- 21 games into the season, if I said, who's the Mets starting pitcher that'll be the only guy to throw a pitch in the seventh inning this year, no way you would have said him. Imagine that. Seven innings he went, this guy. Already, first start. Yep. Unbelievable. You know, Ranger and Devil fans, just take notice. Don't forget 1996 World Series. Nobody can look as bad as the Yankees those first two games at home. So just don't, you know, don't assume anything. So, you know, the Devils always have a chance. Well, we've seen plenty of teams come back from from 2-0 down in hockey. It happens all the time, but it's Yeah, no, but 2-0 when you're home, when you lost your first two, that's going to be tough, too. But uh, now, as far as the Think about it. The same thing happened to the the 86 Mets. The 86 Mets against the Red Sox. But those were in Boston. Weren't they in Boston, the first two? No, the first two were at Shea Stadium. Were Shea? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. And they came back from 2 nothing there. Okay. Mm-hmm. As far as the Knicks go, you know, they asked Brunson after the game on TV, well, how do you, what do you attribute the win today to? He just looked up at the stands. He couldn't believe the fans. This is after one game at home in the first round. Dan, if I tell you, 1969-1970, the most beloved New York team in my history, 62 years of watching sports, that team, every night was like last night. That, and it ended with the Game 7 game with Willis coming out. No, no lie, uh, Dan. That's how the Knicks are beloved in this, team, in this city when they're that good. New York loves basketball. It's the number one sport in New York City. Of course, the Knicks haven't given us much to love, but when they're good, it's unbelievable. Last night, I mean, I, now I'm a little worried about Sunday because it's an afternoon game. And as you know, the afternoon sort of takes an edge off the fans a little bit. They're not as rowdy and loud. Mm-hmm. 
You know, so I'm a little worried about that. As, a, as I am in baseball, whenever the Yankees won their first game at home at night and came back to play a second game during the day, they seem to always lose in the playoffs that second day game. So I'm always wary of the home team coming back game two at home in an afternoon game. But we'll see. But the way the Knicks played yesterday, if these guys knew how the Knicks were in 69-70, it's no shock to me. No shock. Now, I don't know if the Ranger fans could – Overdo what they what the Knicks fans did last night at the Garden, but it's been incredible, Dan, and uh, it's just been last night. It's been one of the greatest New York sports nights I've been part of, except for the Yankees losing, you know. But it's been great so far, Dan. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for the phone call. Uh, look, right now there's no reason to believe that. I mean, both of these teams. I'm talking about the two that play at the Garden. They're ahead in the series. They got the upper hand. No reason to think that the Rangers and the Knicks won't at least be advancing to round number two to keep this run going and to continue this momentum that we have here in this city. It's been a long time coming. Now, you know what I'll be interested to see tonight, and I know it's a little bit different because it's the playoffs. One of the things that was pretty noteworthy, at least to me, during the regular season, the couple of games that the Devils played at Madison Square Garden, there was a lot of Devil fans. A lot, like more Devil fans in the building at the garden than there has been as long as I can remember, even during like the devil cup years, like they made their way into MSG. I wonder if that's going to happen again tonight for the playoffs, or is it just going to be like a complete sea of blue? I mean, if you're a Ranger fan, and you don't want to come out and support this team. I mean, I know the tickets are probably hard to come by, but now is the time. And, and, that place will be buzzing tonight. But I said that earlier, you know, what Richard talked about tomorrow with the Nick game being in the afternoon, I mentioned that earlier today. I don't think that that place will be as bonkers as it was last night because it's, it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It's tough to, you know, get kind of built up into a frenzy then. So if I'm the Cavaliers tomorrow, fast start I think is utmost importance. Try to take the crowd out of it, keep them as quiet as possible from the get-go and see if you could build off of that. 800-919-3776. More of your calls. We'll also get into the baseball when we return. Dan Grasso Show, we roll till noon right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is uh, Danny from Long Island. Who's this that? is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Jam-packed day of New York sports, by the way. Remember, you get Devils-Rangers coming up right here tonight, game number three. Puck drop at 8, pregame at 7.30 with Don. Bridge show with Don from 7 to 7.30. Uh, Nets Sixers at game number four coming up at 1 p.m. Yanks and Jays also at 1 p.m. Manoa and Garrett Cole. Mets and Giants coming up at 4 o'clock today. Uh, you got the hapless Red Bulls in Montreal tonight to take on them at 7.30. And you got NYC FC against FC Dallas. Too many FCs uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and is that at City Field? They're playing games at City Field now, Harvey? Yes, they are with the Yankees homestand. Uh, it's the, the running joke of the decade by me. No home. 
but many homes. So NYCFC is homeless, essentially, is what you're saying. They've been homeless since 2015. So you could just stroll into any soup kitchen or something, and you're liable to find NYCFC. Like oh. right before the game, like they're fueling up on their pregame meal at, at a soup kitchen. I'm surprised uh, MSG itself hasn't opened up its doors, an indoor soccer arena. Indoor soccer. That's right. Put what about the old down. Nassau Coliseum? They could play their games there, a little indoor action. Hey, whatever what gets it done. I mean, look, uh, City Field is better, the better, uh, quote-unquote, home field advantage. That's where they played their playoff game last year against Inter Miami. But um, did they win that game? They did. They won three one, and then they lost. So basically, two. what you're telling me is that NYCFC had better postseason home field advantage at City Field than the Mets did. Yeah, it's quite the thing. I mean, or at least more success. Let's put it that way. Only by a little bit. Thank God they lost the conference final. Thank yeah, God. Know. Right then, the universe can be restored. You know, everything was right with the world again. They changed their, their championship banner at Yankee Stadium, too, by the way. Really? They pro- it used to be, like, the size of a postcard for school. <laughs> now it's just an extended postcard for school, <laughs> just like in bits. I think it's up the I, left. I love, I love these burgeoning soccer rivalries. I love them here in this city. Especially it's coming soon. Yeah, especially soon. with all the other stuff going on right now. That, 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 that's what's occupying your headspace. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Dominic in uh, Massapequa was up next. Dom, good morning. How are we doing? How's it going, Dan? How are you? Good, Dom. What's going on? All right. So just a little point about the Rangers. Uh, big fan. So after the first few games, I think you, as a fan, I got nothing to complain about. I see them come out, play a good game, go win 5-1, come back and win 5-1 again. But just a point to make about what you were talking about a little uh, while ago. Last year... In the first round, the Rangers were down 3-1, came mm-hmm. back and won the series. Second round, down 2-0 to Carolina, came back and won the series in seven. Third round went up 2-0 and ended up losing the series. So I'm curious to see how the Rangers respond to being up 2-0 this, this one and uh, can get it done this time. Well, Dom, I'm glad you mentioned that too because to me, that's another reason why if you're the Rangers, don't mess around. You know, end this thing as soon as possible because last year you needed seven against Pittsburgh, you needed seven against Carolina, and then when he got to Tampa, who was a playoff-tested team, who was the best opponent you were playing, yeah, you jumped out 2-0, but then you had nothing left in the tank, and they came back and knocked you out. You want to have as much energy as possible as you go through this long march to Lord Stanley because it's only going to get more difficult from here on out. So if you could finish the Devils off in, let's say, four games, five games, put your feet up and rest for round number two, you take it when you could get it. Exactly. I mean, I, I believe that they're going to do it. It's just a matter of how they respond to the devil's push. Because you know that the devils, when they come to the garden, the lights are on. Everyone shows up when they come to the garden. It's almost like a blessing and a curse when you're the home team. Because um, I definitely have seen it many time and time again as a Rangers fan. But we'll see. I think, um, I think the Rangers fans are going to be in full flex tonight once Babbo O'Reilly's playing. When they come out to that song, that garden's going to be pumping. The boys will be fired up. So I'm hoping for a big dub tonight. I uh, appreciate your time taking the call. And uh, have a good one. Dom, thanks for the perspective. Appreciate it as always. You know, I, 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 right now the way this series is playing out, it's kind of taken on the characteristics of 2008 when these teams played. Okay. little patriotism there. Nothing wrong with that. But remember that was the Sean Avery series? where the Devils had the home ice advantage in that one. Rangers win the first two games in Newark. 
Then they go back to the Garden, and the Devils win game number three. That was an overtime game, kind of like a fluky one. The kind, the puck kind of caromed off the skate of John Madden, like past Henrik. And so the Devils win the game, and they're back in the series for a little bit. But then game four rolls around, and it's, again, clearly the Rangers, the better team. They win the game, and then they finish it off in five back at the Prudential Center. You know, I, I can maybe sort of see the series playing itself out that way over the next three games. You know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. I understand all those things. But like I said it a little bit earlier, from a Rangers perspective right now, can you really see them losing four out of the next five games as good as they have been, clearly the better team in the first two? It's a lot to ask for. It really is. All right, 800-919-3776. That is our telephone number. A lot to do over the final 16 minutes. Still haven't gotten into the baseball yet with the Mets and the Yanks. And, of course, we'll have more on the Knicks with their big Game 3 victory last night over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Dan Gross' show, we roll till noon right here on 98.7 ESPN.